This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Hockey Central. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour, and Logan Gordon is with me today. Logan, what's up? How are you doing? I'm good, Hale. How are we How are feeling? You? I'm much better. Thank yeah? You. Lost your voice a bit? I did. It's better to take a couple days off than to lose your voice on air. That's happened to me before on this very show with JT Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going to happen when the uh, the uh, cabbage roll ghost took over, but that was a different thing. <laughs> that was a different scarring event that happened <laughs> on this radio station. <laughs> Did we ever find out what happened there? No, we we literally have teams of engineers, <laughs> and we were just like they're like it was like the Wi-Fi got mixed up or something, and we're like, what? That doesn't that doesn't seem to make sense, but okay. Someone was trying to hack in to tell the great people of Calgary about cab- their specific cabbage roll recipe. <laughs> great times. Yeah, that was a weird day. That was a and weird day. Lovely. Cam and Taylor were like, all right, are you ready to come back on? No, I'm a little frightened. <laughs> to be fair, Derek's sitting on the other end of the line going, what is, what is We had show? no idea what was going on here either. I'm like panicking. I'm like, I've never seen this happen before. It was brutal. Cancel the show. Just go, just go again it. the next day. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just scrap it and try again tomorrow. But we're not doing that today. Things are going well. We're not going to jinx anything because... I think we've got a pretty good show lined up here. Logo, Jesse Granger is going to join the show shortly, probably five minutes or so once we're done chatting. And then later in the hour, Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet Insider. Never heard of him. Hockey Night in Canada. Some guy is going to join the show. Talk a little bit about the trade deadline we had uh, Jeff Merrick on yesterday. And uh, now Elliot. So it's a little 32 Thoughts Week here on Hockey Central. And and Granger, of course, is going to come on. And give us his take on the Vegas Golden Knights, who the Calgary Flames are playing tonight in Vegas. Uh, before we get to all that logo, I wanted to talk a little bit about the game last night in Arizona at the Mullet. It sounds weird to say that it was a big win against the Arizona Coyotes uh, because it's the Arizona Coyotes. And yesterday we were talking about the team and their nine game point streak and how they need to slow it down. You don't want to be. <laughs> collecting points in nine straight that's not what you're here to do no uh but you know now it's you know this afternoon we're talking about this big win by the flames uh they're tied 3-3 heading into the third period what makes it a big win is like how many times this season the flames have been tied heading into the third or up one or down one and they come up short blow the lead lose the game yes it's arizona but a 6-3 win is a big one specifically at this point in the season uh, Minnesota won last night too, so Calgary's still four points back of a wild card spot, seven points behind the Edmonton Oilers for the first wild card. Um, but it was a big win. I mean, we know Elias Lindholm went in uh, to the room between periods and kind of set our seasons on the line here. And who is it that stepped up? It's Jacob Peltier and then Walker Dewar to get up 5 3, and then the Flames put it away 6 3 for the win. What did you think about last night, Logo? Because, yeah, it's Arizona, but it's a it's an important win 
at an important time in the season, and now they head into Vegas tonight. Yeah, I think it was important regardless of opponent because of what you laid out there, Haley, and that's the fact that even go back to Monday against the Philadelphia Flyers, they were in this exact same spot where they got down 3-1 to a bad team, battled all the way back in that game only to lose it. This is still an important step for this Calgary Flames team. As much frustration as there's been and as much you know, animosity as there's been at times for this fan base and how you can be upset with how things have gone, they're still in a playoff race. They're still, you don't have to squint very hard to see them being in a playoff spot in a month and a half's time. And for this team, what's the biggest thing that they've had trouble doing this year? It's coming back in third periods and winning those games that they should win against teams below them in the standings. Well, last night, checked two of those boxes. I don't care that it was against the Arizona Coyotes who are on Connor Bedard watch and are playing at this weird, cool-ish kind of stadium that's, <laughs> you know. I like it. it is, it's kind of it's fun, right? It, yeah, it's cool. Um, I, I don't care that that's who it was. You need to do that. You need to start building confidence that you can do that so that, who knows, maybe if you're in that situation against Vegas tonight, hopefully not, or against Colorado or Boston, whoever it is down the road, you're never going to get to that point, Haley, if you never get one of those wins during the season, right? If the Flames just consistently got killed in the third periods every time that they needed to come back and and win a game, well, you're never going to build your confidence up and you're never going to have that turning point. At least last night you could look back and say, hey, we've finally got a little bit of confidence in ourselves to go and have the third period that we know we should have And we picked up a win and we picked up two points that we really needed. It was looking like a, oh, this is so 2022-23 flames of them. You know, they're out shooting Arizona 38-9 through two periods. It's tied 3-3. And yeah, you could take a look through Flames Twitter. You scroll through social. It's like, oh, this is so Calgary this season. Um, But the fact that they go out and win the game is you know, potentially a sign of some meaningful progress. Obviously, we need to see them turn that into more than just one win and because that's been the problem with this team, right, is they'll have a good game, then a bad game, good game, bad game. They haven't really strung together two straight wins or even three very often this season. I think I saw Wes Gilbertson with the stat earlier this week. The Flames haven't won back-to-back games since, like, early January. Um, so that's a bit of a problem. So we'll see what they can do tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas has won. So Vegas had previously won five straight. They lose to Chicago on Tuesday, but they've gotten points in seven straight games. Logan Thompson is week to week. Aiden Hill was taking most of the workload with Thompson out, winning three straight starts. He's 14-5-1 on the season. Uh, he's also out tonight. Uh, so... Uh, Brassois is going to get the start. That's his first NHL game since March 2022. It was Tuesday night against Chicago. He made 37 saves in that loss. Nick Roy is also out for Vegas tonight. Byron Fraze was called up this morning, so former Calgary Flame could be in the lineup for Vegas. Uh, and we'll uh, look for some more news and notes around Flames AM Skate logo. Have you uh, have you heard who's going to – I assume they didn't skate because they just flew in from Arizona. I'm sure we can assume uh, Jacob Markstrom's going to get the start, and I wouldn't expect too many lineup changes given the win last night. Have you heard anything new? 
No, we haven't heard anything. You, you nailed it on the head. There was no morning skate for the group today. I think there's been a bit of a conversation about would you go back to Dan Vladar, given the fact he only faced 14 shots last night and there mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of travel. Um, but as I talked about with Lou a little bit earlier on today, I think if there was a stronger performance from Dan last night, I think I'd be entertaining that. But as I'm kind of at this point right now where I'm just looking for either guy to pick up the ball and run with it for a while, I I think it makes the most sense to go with Markstrom and assume he'll get the start tonight. All right. Good stuff, Logo. Go rest your voice. We're going (laughs) to... We're going to make our guests do the rest of the talking. Not me. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Everyone else on the show. Have a great show. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. So we're going to go now to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. So we got our first guest of the day. It's Jesse Granger. He covers the Vegas Golden Knights for the Athletic. Jesse, what's up? How's it going? I'm good. How are you, Haley? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we're just diving into <laughs> the Golden Knights and, uh, yeah, no Logan Thompson, no Aiden Hill. So it looks like uh, Laurent Boissois, who's played exactly one game since last March is going to get the start tonight in Vegas. Uh, anything else we need to know about this team right now? Seems like things are, are clicking along, at least better than they were ahead of the All-Star break. What's going on in Vegas, Jesse? Yeah, for sure. The, the goalie situation here is so interesting because they're, I mean, technically they're on their fourth goalie um, when you consider that Robin Leonard is the number one goalie here, and he's obviously missed the entire season uh, with double hip surgery in the off season. And now they're back to Laurent Bersois. But like in most teams, you go to the fourth goalie, you're in big trouble. That's a backup AHL goalie most of the time. For the Golden Knights, I mean, Bersois could be the second best goalie on this team behind Leonard when you really look at things. Logan Thompson's had a good season for them before his injury. Uh, Aiden Hill's filled in nicely, but... If Bressois hadn't also undergone hip surgery this offseason, he could have been the favorite to win this job coming into the season. I mean, he's got more experience than both Hill and Thompson. And he looked really good in his first game back against Chicago. They did lose that game, but it wasn't because of Bressois. I mean, they, the Blackhawks had a ton of dangerous chances in that game, and he looked really good. Um, the interesting with Bressois is he had that hip surgery in the offseason, and he told me that that hip had been bothering him since junior hockey. So basically since he's a teenager, oh, he's geez. been dealing with hip pain. And he said that he's able to get into – the way he said it was access parts of my body that I was never able to. Um, I'll just think assume that that means he's getting into positions, maybe post-integrations, um, that are a lot easier for him to, to do. And he's, he said he feels great. He's excited to show people. I mean, he's been in the NHL a while. He's always been a backup. This is a big opportunity for him. He's able to show people um, how much better he can be now that he's fully healthy. So I don't think goalie is going to be an issue for this team, um, especially when they're playing defense the way that they have been. Um, they did it early in the year when they went 13-2 and to start the season with that nine-game win streak. It was all on the defense. They keep everything to the outside. They play a really tight zone defense where they pack the center of the ice. And they may give up a bunch of shots in terms of quantity, but the quality is just nothing. I mean, it's, everything's coming from the outside. It's a big reason why Logan Thompson got off to that hot start. If they can continue that, I think Brassois' style fits perfectly for it. He's a patient goalie. He may not have the athleticism to make some spectacular backdoor saves, but he's usually in good position. He stays compact. I think he's built for this defense when they play well. Um, we'll see if they can tonight, obviously a bigger challenge in the flames than they had in the Blackhawks the other night. So I, I'm not too concerned about Brassois, Um, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's never ideal to be on your fourth goalie. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, Calgary is. Oh, and seven in Vegas. 
historically. <laughs> and they've been outscored 30-8 to eight in those games. Jesse, why do the Golden Knights seem to beat up on the Flames so much when they're at home? Yeah, I saw a stat this morning. I think the Flames have only led for two minutes all time at T-Mobile yeah. Arena. Like when you add it all, that is insane. Um, I don't yeah. really know. It's funny because the Saddle Dome up there, it's not quite as bad for the Golden Knights up there, but the Saddle Dome is kind of a house of horrors for the Golden Knights too. Like they've won some games up there, but when I think about games in Calgary, the Golden Knights have had their doors blown off more than once up there. Um, these two teams are just Jekyll and Hyde when they're when they're in each building. It's really strange. Um, maybe it was the, the personnel, maybe it's the coaching. I don't know. Maybe Bruce Cassidy coming in, the golden Knights look a lot different this year. Maybe that'll change things. Um, we, we actually asked Cassidy this morning about it and he basically said, well, I haven't been here, so it's hard for me to say, but he's like, teams do have buildings that they just don't play well in. And you, you don't have confidence, um, when you go to that building and for whatever reason, you just can't get it done. I think maybe for that reason alone, obviously the flames have a lot of different faces coming in, but for the guys that have been here that have suffered those losses, I think the first goal of this game might be huge. Um, if you're the flames and you go in and you give up an early goal, it's like, Oh, here we go again. And that just kind of starts. Whereas if, if Calgary can get on the board early, all of a sudden you, you kind of forget about the history in that building and, and you feel good about your game. Yeah. Well, we'll see if that happens this season. Cause we haven't seen it yet from the flames in T-Mobile arena. So uh, we'll see how that goes for the Calgary flames tonight. I wanted to talk to you a bit, Jesse, about the trade from yesterday afternoon, the golden Knights acquire Dyson Mayo in exchange for a pick and Shea Weber's contract. I, I guess we'll first look at the money here, Jesse, because you uh, dug into this a little bit. This doesn't affect the amount of money that the Golden Knights have in terms of their cap space this season, but it does give them some more flexibility getting that off of LTIR in the summer. It gives them a little bit more wiggle room in the off season, which should or could open up flexibility when it comes to adding a player with some term or team control. Like, what can you tell us about what the Golden Knights did exactly in getting rid of Shea Weber's deal off LTIR? Yeah, um, you laid it out pretty well. It's incredibly complicated. Um, I mean, the salary cap can get complicated just on its own. When you throw, throw LTIR in, I feel like I'm breaking down algebra um, equations, and I hate algebra. Um, but, but yeah, they basically, like you said, it doesn't help them in terms of cap space right now that they can spend at the deadline. Um, with Mark Stone on LTIR, and at this point in time, it looks like they're going to have that space for the rest of the season. Um, there's a chance he could come back. I don't think that the team believes it's likely Stone plays in the regular season. So with him on LTIR, they've got about $8.75 million in cap space. And that doesn't change whatsoever, um, trading Shea Weber, because his contract was already on LTIR. It already wasn't counting. Like you said, where it does make a difference is in the offseason, teams can exceed the salary cap, but only by 10%. So if the cap is not 83.5, which is what people expect it to be next year, that means teams can't go over 91 million and some change. And with Weber's contract still on the books, the Golden Knights would have had a hard time adding contracts. They would have been pretty tight to that. And you don't want to put a contract on LTIR in the off season because that activates your LTIR pool. And there's all kinds of complicated reasons you don't want to do that. But yeah. simply put, you do not, <laughs> you don't want to put players on LTIR in the summer. 
Um, so to avoid that situation, like say if the Golden Knights were – the player everyone throws out is Timo Meyer. I have no idea if the Sharks would even yeah. consider trading him to Vegas, but let's just use him as an example because that's the name everybody thinks of. If the Golden Knights were to trade for Timo Meyer at the deadline and still had Weber's contract on the books, they wouldn't be able to sign Meyer to his extension without – um, without exceeding that $91 million that you can't go over in the offseason. So then they'd be in a situation where they absolutely have to trade Weber's contract, and as we all know, leverage is everything. So you get to that point, now all of a sudden teams are going to say, oh, we want a first-round pick or a second-round pick to take that contract off your books because you're screwed. You're in a situation where you have to move that contract, whereas right now they're not really in that corner. They haven't backed themselves against the ropes. They can move it. It's only a fifth round pick, which is not a lot to pay to move that contract. So I think it was the golden Knights kind of being proactive. Everyone wonders, does this mean, are they going to trade for Meyer or Besser or Krug or whatever name everybody wants to throw out? I don't necessarily think this guarantees that, that that move is happening. I don't think this was a case where, they have a move lined up, and they were doing this as a precursor to that. I think this move was just good for the Golden Knights in general moving forward. It gives them more flexibility. And then if the right deal does come along before the deadline, they can now make it with a little bit uh, easier road ahead this offseason. Okay. So I know you mentioned Timo Meyer. I think some people – like the Golden Knights have just kind of become this boogeyman in the sense where – Everyone kind of sees that they're up to something. They're giving themselves some flexibility. There's some LTIR stuff going on, and everyone's just like, okay, what are they doing? (laughs) Is Patrick Kane about to go to Vegas? Jesse, what's going on? Like, do you think this is a team that could try to make a big swing? Because the West is pretty open right now. I mean, there isn't a ton of separation anymore. The Golden Knights are, are first in the Western Conference right now. But if they go out and they make some kind of big swing or acquire... Um, you know, a pretty big ticket player like a Timo Meyer, a Patrick Kane, whatever that might be, they could establish themselves pretty quickly as the team to beat in the West. Do you, do you think that's something that they could do in the next uh, week leading up to the March 3rd deadline? Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned covering this team for six years, it's never say they're not going to make the big move because you'll <laughs> yeah. be wrong more often than you're not. Uh, <laughs> it's it's, yeah. I do think there's a chance they make a big move. Um, the Timo Meyer one, like to me, in terms of player fit and age and where he's at in his career, Timo Myers would be the, the most optimal um, ad. I mean, he's younger. He's, he does what the Golden Knights don't have, which is a forward who gets to the front of a net and can score rebound goals and, and get in there and, and score the gritty goals that just, frankly, this team hasn't been able to get. It's part of the reason they, their scoring dries up in the playoffs every year. Um, it's something Pete DeBoer constantly asked them to do, and they just never did. Now Cassidy's here. He's saying the same things after games where they struggle to score. So I think Timo Meyer solves a lot of that. The issue is there are a lot of teams that want Timo Meyer, and because the Golden Knights have made some of these big trades, their prospect pool and, and draft pick pool is not as big as, as other teams. So you add in mm-hmm. the fact that I doubt the Golden Knights can make a deal that's significantly better for the Sharks than some other team, plus the fact that the Golden Knights are the Sharks' biggest division rival right now. Um, maybe the Sharks aren't super concerned with it at the moment because they're not really competing for the division, but they hope to be eventually, and giving your best player or one of your best players to the Golden Knights isn't ideal. I think for all those reasons, the Meyer thing seems unlikely. Um, Patrick Kane, to me, doesn't feel like a fit here in Vegas. Um, yeah, he can score, but 
Bruce Cassidy wants 200 foot forwards. Um, he's battling with Jack Eichel right now to get him to do that. At times this year, he's been really good at it. At times, he hasn't been as good. And yes, I know he's on a struggling Chicago team, but when I look at evolving hockey and I look at the goals above replacement defensively, and Patrick Kane ranks 797th out of 800 players. Yeah, there's three players worse than him defensively this year, <laughs> according to that stat. Um, to me, that screams a player that doesn't fit what Bruce Cassidy's looking for. Um, he obviously is on the back end of his career. I don't think he's a guy you want to sign to a long-term extension, especially a team that's cap-strapped as the Golden Knights. To me, it doesn't look like a fit for him. Um, having said that, I do think the Golden Knights are going to make a move. It's just a matter of how big the move is. Um, and, and, you know, these guys, they like to swing big. What have you thought of Jack Eichel this season? Because, you know, as you just mentioned with Bruce Cassidy and the 200-foot play, that that's a factor. Are you seeing the same kind of skill set, offensive pop from Eichel? Like, what are, what are you seeing from him so far this year in Vegas? Early in the year, when the Golden Knights were at their best, Jack Eichel was playing elite hockey. Um, like I right. Think top he 10 looked so good at the NHL. beginning of the season. Yeah. All over the place, too. Not just offensively. Like, he was getting back on the back check. And he's, I mean, he's so fast and he's so strong that when he uses those skills defensively, when he's committed to doing it, he's, I mean, he takes the puck off guys with ease. He's good everywhere. He has the talent to do pretty much anything he wants on the, on the rink. Since Mark Stone went out, he just hasn't been the same player. And he did, he did have a, a lower body injury where he missed 13 games. And when he came back, he just, he didn't look like quite the, ex- the same explosive skater that can, can separate from de- defense and kind of create those odd man rushes out of nowhere. Um, he hasn't looked the same. He says he's a hundred percent. Bruce Cassidy has said recently that he thinks Eichel is kind of getting back to where he was earlier in the year. He does have six points in the last five games. So he's not, it's not like he's not doing anything. He just hasn't, been the game breaker that he was earlier in the year. I think he's got a lot more to give offensively. Um, they also, there was a stretch there when the Golden Knights were, were pretty banged up and they were putting him between guys that he, like, you, you got to carry this line. Like it was Paul Cotter and Michael Amadio. Um, not exactly top <laughs> right. line players. So, so part of that is they're asking Eichel to do a lot and he just wasn't able to, to get it done with those guys coming back from an injury. I think now he's playing with Jonathan Marshall. So, and still Paul Cotter, but Paul Cotter's playing a lot better than he was back then. He scored two goals in the last three games, I think. Um, so that line's going a little bit better. The Golden Knights are getting depth scoring from all over the place. I, I don't think Eichel's at his best right now, um, and they need him to be better down the stretch if they're going to continue this playoff push and, and go on a run. But, yeah, he just he hasn't looked the same without Stone. And when you look at his numbers with Stone and without him, it's, it's very drastic, the difference. Um, so he's going to have to – it doesn't look like Stone's coming back anytime soon, so he's going to have to find a way to get it done without him. Given the cost in terms of what it costs to acquire him and his contract, like I feel like you want Jack Eichel to be a guy that can do this on his own. Like I don't think that should be too much to ask of Jack Eichel because it's it's Jack Eichel, and I don't want to turn this into the, you know, Jack Eichel's not doing good enough in Vegas conversation. But I find that really interesting. Like this is a guy that is paid in a way that you want him to be able to continue to play well even without Mark Stone. Like, he should be the guy that's making other people play well. And maybe that's unfair, given the, the surgery and, and everything that's that he's been through and, and that's happened there. But I find that interesting. No, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think there it's definitely not unfair to ask more of Jack Eichel than he's given him this year. Um, I think it's definitely... 
uh, a, a fair ask for him to be the elite player he was early in the year for the entire season, and, and he hasn't been that. And, and I think there are reasons you can point to it, but like you said, at the end of the day, he's getting $10 million a year. You gave up a bundle of picks and, and good players for him, um, and they, they need him, frankly, to be an elite player. If like right, You mentioned the Golden Knights are first in the West, and to me, when I watch this team play, I'm skeptical that they can win a Stanley Cup without Mark Stone at his best. Like, I just – they're not the same team without him. Yes, they've won some games lately. Um, they haven't been the same team they were early in the year. And I, frankly, wouldn't – if it was me, if I was Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, I don't think I'd be buying at the deadline. Just because okay. even if Mark Stone does come back for the playoffs, what – what version of Mark Stone are you getting? He's had two back surgeries in eight months. He'll have not played for quite a while. I don't think he jumps into the playoffs and is 100% Mark Stone. And to me, this team without top-tier Mark Stone is not a Stanley Cup contender. And a big part of that is Eichel hasn't been elite for stretches without him, and I think they need him to be if they're going to be a real contender. We've got a couple more minutes left with you, Jesse, and we're talking to Jesse Granger. He covers the Vegas Golden Knights for The Athletic here on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. You had a story come out on The Athletic, Jesse, about the Golden Knights and their depth scoring. So they've got some guys that are close, but as of right now, heading into this game on Thursday night against the Flames, Vegas does not have a single 20-goal scorer on their roster. But again, they're still number one in the Western Conference. There's some things you want. You want Jack Eichel to be better. You want Mark Stone in the lineup. But what does all of that say about the depth of scoring that this team has right now? Yeah, it's been a luxury for this team. Um, there, there are only four teams in the league without a 20-goal scorer. And you look at the other teams, and one of these teams is not like the other. I mean, you've got Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville, all of whom are near the bottom or at the bottom of the league in scoring. And then the Golden Knights. And, and they're in the top half of the league. And like you said, they're, they're playing well. They're in playoff position. And it's because they've got 10 guys with at least 11 goals, which is the most in the NHL. Um, they're getting goals from up and down the lineup. You, you've got, obviously, the normal guys that you expect, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall, so Chandler Stevenson. But then some other guys, Nicholas Waugh is having a really good year. Um, Phil Kessel has played a lot better as of late. He had a really slow start to his time here in Vegas, but he's, he's caught fire here lately and is playing a lot better. And then the big one is William Carrier. I mean, this guy has been a key piece to this team since year one. But his role has changed so drastically. I mean, when they had Ryan Reeves and Carrier on the fourth line, they were basically the Basher brothers. I mean, they were one and two in the league in hits, and they were not out there to score. They were out there to hit people. And since, and part of the reason Carrier's kind of gone away from that is Reeves has, was obviously traded. But then the other part is he was injured all the time, and he's, he's kind of stopped. He's not taken it out of his game completely. He's still a physical player. He's probably the most physical player on the team still, but – He's toned it down a little bit. He's staying healthy more. He's worked a lot with the Golden Knights skills coach, Misha Donskov, every day after practice. I see him working with him. And he's found an, another level to his offensive game. I mean, his, his career high going into this year was nine goals. He's already got 15. And he's not just the beneficiary of some lucky bounces, picking up pucks in front of the net. He is driving the offense. And he's a big reason Phil Kessel has gotten going lately. He's playing on the line with Carrier now. So, He's been a pleasant surprise for this team offensively. Um, he's, he's generating offense. He's keeping the puck out of his own end with a good forecheck. Um, I think William Carrier is one of the unsung heroes on this team. 
All right. Awesome. Good stuff, Jesse. Well, we'll see uh, what happens tonight between the Flames and the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a good one. Thanks for having me. All right. There goes Jesse Granger. He covers the Vegas Golden Knights for The Athletic on the Atlas Pizza. Guest hotline. The guest hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Sportsnet insider Elliot Friedman. You'll see him on 32 Thoughts, Hockey Night in Canada. Going to take a look a bit around the league, but also look, are the Flames going to be buyers or sellers at the NHL trade deadline? What is Fridge hearing about Calgary? That's coming up next on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. So you remember that time earlier on in the show when I said, we're not going to jinx anything. I lost my voice once in front of JT Brown and we had technical difficulties. And then I said, we're not going to jinx the show. That's not something we're going to do today. Uh, looks like Elliot Friedman is not available to join us. I did this to myself. I am to blame. I'm the problem. It's me, etc. Taylor Swift jokes. But it's fine because we have a very wonderful backup plan. I got to stop. I got to stop teeing him up this way. It's Sean until he joins us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Thank you for pinch hitting today. Did you hang up the phone after the Taylor Swift reference or the plan B part? Oh, I came close both times. You're just lucky I picked up in the first place. What would have happened if I wouldn't have? Like, was there a plan C? Was Taylor just going to come on and freelance? Was producer Taylor just going to like drop in and you know do her thing? I think she could have. We would have talked about. Um, actually, I don't think so because Taylor would probably be mad at me because I'm the one that made the joke that jinxed everything. Yeah, so she was like, "Never mind." You're on your leave, own. Leave her, leave her out of this. She doesn't have to get stuck talking about God knows what for the next 20 minutes. Taylor, have you watched Outer Banks? This is what we'd be doing for a half an hour. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't. I just haven't had the time to. <laughs> but I have watched other shows. Okay. Yeah, we could have gone somewhere else. We could have went rogue a little bit. And, uh, Sean, there, there is a listener. I believe he's listening right now who sent us a note in the text line. Is today Friday? I need to know which day to get my mopping socks on. And then Jesse Granger was the first guest, and he was like, wait a second. Is this an episode of Granger Things? Um, so this was oh, my inspiration. Me like, let's just turn this into an athletic hockey show day, apparently, here on Sports at Night yeah. the Fan of Yeah, course. you're like, I got to fill an hour of content. I'm just going to cold call people I work with. <laughs> That's right. And this is me using my Rolodex here. But thank mm-hmm. you for doing this. We appreciate you. Of course. Um, yeah, also, okay. By the way, preemptive apologies to anybody who thought that they were going to tune in <laughs> and hear Elliot talk about, you know, <laughs> relevant nuggets of news and you can get his pick his brain on 32 thoughts stuff. And here it's like, okay, yeah. let's go. I'm looking at all of the questions in my, my lineup sheet. Um, should we give this a whirl? Is Eric Carlson to the Oilers too complicated right now? 
Are you, you're trying to, you see, you're trying to goad me into doing an, an Elliot impression, and it's just not going to no, happen. No, no, because then he will never come on again. So don't. Mm. But I do want to start with the Flames. We don't need to get into the Eric Carlson conversation, but I, I did want to start with the Flames a little bit here, Sean. We know it. You've been on the show. You're a friend of the show. We know that you picked the Flames to win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, yeah, I did. We know. <laughs> That's we know this. Um. So one thing that Elliot did report in 32 Thoughts was that there was a team meeting after their loss in Detroit and the tweet from Alan Walsh about a week ago now about the negativity around the team. Like, this isn't an insider part here, Sean. Um, but, like, what's your take on this Flames team heading into game number 58? I don't, I don't know if this is a team that's going to win a Stanley Cup, but, but how do you look at the Calgary Flames? I think they need to decide not just what they want the rest of this season to look like, but what they want, you know, 2024 20, and 25 and 26. Like this is a team that for better or worse, I certainly thought it's going to be better leading into the season, but for better or worse, you know, there's a lot of guys with a lot of term who are relatively deep into their careers. Like I don't want to make it sound like Jonathan Huberdo is, you know, some, gray beard who's like uh, who's up at the end but you know eight years for a guy who's 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 gonna hit 30 soon Dazim Kadri he's got city miles on on his body right he plays hard these guys don't necessarily have the long have the longest careers on and on and on this is a team that was built to contend this year and for the next few and with the way the mix has been off and with you know the action that Allen took, you know, clearly voicing some kind of uh, displeasure on behalf of his of his client. You know, you got to wonder if if there aren't tough questions being asked about how the next couple years look. Because man, stuff has gone sideways in a hurry here. We're sixty games into this new season where I pick them to win the Stanley Cup, and I'm like, uh, should they just blow it up? Like, should, we, should they start right. trading people? Like now, it's crazy. It's a crazy mm-hmm. spot to be in, but you know that's the, those are the breaks of the game, I guess. All right, so I do have to apologize, Sean, because I believe we have Elliot Friedman on the line. Are you kidding me? Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, this is a this is a big this is an upgrade for you guys, and it's an upgrade for people who are listening. So I will see myself out. Have a lovely okay. afternoon. Thank you. Bye now. There goes Sean Gentilly from the Athletic doing a great thing pinch hitting but we do have elliot friedman on the line elliot how are you thanks for hopping on I, I, i'm really sorry Elliot. i'm sorry okay. I'm like, this one's on me and uh i do appreciate uh sean pinch hitting and i'm sorry to cut him off like that oh. uh that's not cool I, I don't like that no it's okay you know what i could have just and talked by, by myself for a while not Sean. Like I'm not. I'm not upset at him. I'm obviously upset at myself. No, of course. I should have just talked on my own. Well, well, they tried to get you on the phone, but I was like, uh oh, I can't do that. I cannot make people do that and listen to me for 25 minutes. So, call Sean. Thanks no, for doing I, this, Elliot. No worries. No worries at all. So we wanted to start with you uh, with a little bit of the Flames here uh, joining us on the show here in Calgary. Calgary's got four games before the trade deadline, including a big one against Vegas tonight. They struggle in that arena historically. Um, yes. How do you think Brad Tree Living approaches this deadline, Elliot? 
Well, I, I think this, like, <clears throat> I always thought he was going to be a buyer. Uh, I always did for most of the year. Now I think at the very least he's like, and I, I know this is an old unhip reference, uh, Haley. He's like Fred Flintstone putting his feet down as the brakes on the old Flintstone review. Right. I okay. think, uh, I, I, like, like I, I do think they were looking at some things that maybe they thought secondhand about. Like one of those things to me was 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 Shen. Like uh, I'm I'm a guy who believed they've been in Shen a long time. Now I'm not as convinced that it's going to be them. I mean I could always I can always be wrong, but now I'm not as convinced they're going to be looking at rentals. Like if he can go out and get someone who he thinks can help him a bit more with term I could maybe see that but the one thing I know for sure is that the Flames have at least pushed the pause button uh, and I, I haven't reached out to him today or anything like that but the one thing I'd heard in the last few days from some other teams is that Calgary had backed away on some short-term things until they really got a handle on where things were <clears throat> okay one player with a little bit of term that we've discussed uh, a couple times on this show, not you and I, Elliot, but just certain guests. I had kind of had somebody like Adam Henrique down. He's got one more year left, but he probably doesn't fit Calgary's window. He's 33, and now he's out week to week. Uh, we yeah. know, like, are the Ducks going to be a team that ends up being relatively quiet in terms of, of selling off players now? With, with Klingberg, he's hurt. I don't know if that's long term, but Henrique's out week to week now. They're a team that's in the bottom with some UFAs, but they might actually end up being kind of quiet because of some of that stuff. I I think the thing with Henrique is, I think Henrique is a good one to target, Haley, like in the sense that I think he's had a really good year, and I think there's a lot of interest there. The problem is that there's not a lot of teams that that can handle it without help. And I know Mm -hmm. that Anaheim is tough when it comes to, okay, you want us to retain? Like, what are you going to do for us? So I think unless so I think that's a little bit harder. Um, I do think if a team has some space, and one, one team I've kind of wondered about is a team like Carolina, because uh, because they have a lot of flexibility to do things, he would make sense there. But I, I think he's going to be out about a month, so it depends on how everybody feels about that. Um, you know, I think Comtois is getting dealt. I think they'd like to move a goalie, though one is a lot easier than the other. The problem with the D. Um, and I've been saying this a bit this week is, you know, Haley, a lot of the big forwards are off the board. Horvat's off the board. Tarasenko's off the board. Uh, O'Reilly's off the board. And I think there's the team still feel there's a lot of defensemen out there, a lot of defensemen out there. And they feel they can kind of squeeze a bit uh, unless there's someone they're, they're absolutely targeting. So I, I think the defense market, I think some of these buyers are going to sit there and say, all right, You've got a UFA defenseman. Well, there's like five other guys out there. So we can afford to play it and and play a bit of poker with you. So I'm really curious to see when it comes to D, who's left at the end of the night, um, I guess, going home alone for lack of a better better idea. (laughs) Right. Is that something that might be happening with, with Luke Shen right now? It seemed like there was a bit of an imminent nature to things. Things seem like they're moving pretty quickly. He leaves Nashville, goes back home to Vancouver, uh, but it's been a couple days now. We haven't seen him 
moved. Is that something that might be going down with with Luke Shen? Teams, you know, maybe holding on a little bit. I, I don't think I don't think that's for lack of uh, lack of uh, interest. I think okay. Shen's situation is a little bit different, Haley. It's been widely reported now. Uh, his wife is pregnant. You know, they're on the East Coast. I think every, I, I think part of that was let's do the right thing and. You know, like he can, like, because if he gets traded on that road trip, he never gets home, right? So I, I think part of that was, hey, a he's getting close, and b he, he's a, he's a kind of player. If he plays, he can get hurt, and and also like let's just be like a little bit human here. So I think all of that was was part of it. <laughs> I think I still think there's a lot of movement with him. I think they've got a few teams. And I think they're just grinding their way through it. The other thing that's happening right now, Haley, and we're seeing it with this Gavrikov move in Columbus, is like, like if this ends up happening, which I hope it will, because if it isn't, I'm going to look really dumb. But they, you know, like Boston has to make other moves to get this deal done. And I think that's kind of where we are, is right. like, our, do teams have to do some things to get moves done? Okay. Um, I know you do your daily hit with Jeff Merrick, so I don't want to hit on too many things that would have been heard on the station already today, but I do want to get to Patrick Kane here. He gets the OT winner against Vegas on Tuesday. He starts the comeback against Dallas last night. You're tweeting about Manhattan TVs being tuned into that one. Uh, What's your sense on Patrick Kane right now, Elliot? I think he's got to pick a team. I think that's what it's going to come down to is – and, and, you know, I, I have, like, I just think at the beginning of the year, like, nothing, like this, sorry, at this time of year, Haley, nothing's a coincidence. Like, I just, I don't believe it. I don't believe in coincidences. And I think that the, the Rangers probably wanted him to know and everyone to know that we're still interested if, if he's still interested in us. And I think we all know how Kane feels about New York. He made it very clear. But I think, you know, I, I think he wanted to go through it. Like, there was a time there. I'm not sure he knew that the Rangers were still in it. And I think he kind of had to go through the process and think about, okay, if not them, then who? And I think he's still kind of done that a bit. Um, Look, I think he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to come out and say, trade me to this one team, or if, uh, if, or he's going to say, or he's going to pick a team, or if he doesn't find anything he likes or he doesn't get traded, he might just say after the deadline, you know what, I need to shut it down to get healthy for the start of next year. But look, like the fact that the Rangers are in this, even if it isn't easy under the cap, you have to think it's a possibility. And what I think is going on out there is, is just him making sure uh, with his agent, Pat Brisson, that there's nothing else out there that he'd want. And I think that's what's going on. I think he's just grinding it down. We just uh, had Jesse Granger on the show talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. They obviously mm-hmm. make a move yesterday that gives them a little bit of cap flexibility in, in a somewhat complicated way. We don't need to get into the nitty-gritty of LTIR and what that does in the summer with cap space. Um, but they've got about $8.75 million in cap space mm-hmm. right now. I've been calling the Golden Knights the boogeyman because you see them doing this. And it's like, okay, what's what's happening next? Like, I'm a little bit afraid yeah. Um, do you think the Golden Knights are a team to watch heading into the deadline, Elliot? Um, you know, I, I, I do. 
I absolutely do. Like that move was made yesterday for a reason for them and a reason for the Coyotes. And with the Coyotes, mm-hmm. it's the floor. And with the Golden Knights, like off-season cap is a little confusing, like uh, definitely. And basically the way it works is you kind of understand the regular season, there's an LTIR. In the summer, there's none of that. Like there's no LTIR in the summer. Now the benefit you get in the summer is you get to go 10% over the cap, but you can't use LTIR to go even over that. So what it basically meant was if Vegas wanted to add a, like it wouldn't have affected them with Patrick Kane, but if they came into, if they came into a situation where they wanted to add someone with term, it was going to be very hard for them. So now I think what they've done is eliminated that problem. I think they're looking for wingers. I think they're, I think they've looked at Meyer. I think they've looked at Barbashev. I have no doubt they've looked at Kane a little bit. And I think, I think that's their key thing is finding a winger to replace Stone or as close as you can to replace Stone. And I would expect that that's the kind of thing that they're, they're going to do. Do you have any new sense on Timo Meyer watch right now? You know, I've kind of wondered if they won't do it this weekend because it's Marlowe weekend. Okay. Like I, now, I think if you get a deal that you want, you do it. But you know, they're having a big weekend with with uh, Patrick Marlowe today, uh, or this weekend mm-hmm. starting today. I saw he, he was doing some quotes and things like that. Um, I yeah. kind of want like teams don't like to overshadow those if they can avoid it. So I could see that kind of a situation. Um, you know, you know, I I I think this. I think it's. I think it's New Jersey with an extension. I think it's Carolina, not necessarily with one. I think it's Vegas. I think it's St. Louis. And I always wonder, who am I missing? Like one of the teams I think was like Peter DeBoer had him in, in, in San Jose, but I just don't know how Dallas can do it. So, mm-hmm. but those are the four teams I'm kind of looking at there. And I do okay. think, obviously I do think he's going to get dealt. And I do think that, like, I'll also say this. I think Winnipeg really likes Meyer. I'm just not, I'm just not convinced he'll sign there, and I just don't know if Winnipeg can do it without an extension. Okay. And uh, as you said, today is officially Patrick Marlowe Day in the city of San Jose, so that, that was happening in the last hour, and then he's having the, the jersey retirement ceremony and such this weekend, so that'll be nice to see in St. Louis, or not St. Louis, excuse me, San Jose for Patrick well, Marlowe this weekend. Kelly Rudy's leaving us for that, Haley. Like, he's not oh, showing he is. up this weekend. No, he's like, wow. you know what, Patrick, Mar- Patrick Marlowe's cooler than you guys, so up yours, and I'm going to California. That's basically what he told us. Oh. I was going to say that's a little bit rude, but I get it. That's not, that sounds <laughs> yeah. that sounds like fun. I bet he'll have a nice time, especially when you look at the weather in the city right now. I don't blame uh, Kelly for that. Apparently, I got to tell you, someone I know is out in California right now, and they said it's not that nice. Oh. And uh, I said, you know, my heart really bleeds for you as I was digging out yeah. 10 centimeters of snow this morning. <laughs> I feel really sad for everyone in California that's having a little bit of, you know, cloudy in their day. Uh, we've got a couple more minutes left with you, Elliot, before we let you go. I know one thing in your blog this week, Eric Carlson to the Oilers, that seemed like it was picking up a bit of steam. And when I say that it wasn't a whole lot, um, is that something that's too complicated to do ahead of the deadline? 
I think so. Like, like, you know, I, I, I really believe it. Like I, apparently the Oilers told people it was like one in a million. And I know uh, people from my generation, we've all seen dumb and dumber. So we know what that <laughs> means. So you're saying there's a chance and he does end up with, you know, Lauren Holly at the end of the movie. But I, you know, I, I think that I, I think it's real remote. Um, you know, I'll tell you, there was a conspiracy theory going around uh, last night that Ottawa traded uh, Zaitsev to make room for Carlson. Like, I don't think that's going to happen either. I just think it's, it's, it's a much easier deal to make. Not that it's easy, but it's a much easier deal to make in the summer. All right. Great stuff, Elliot. Thank you so much for, for making the time coming on. I know it's a busy time of year, so uh, sorry I, for, really sorry. for stealing a few minutes. I, I, I apologize for that. I don't like, I mean, I like being late in my regular life, but I don't like <laughs> being late for media appointments, so I do Oh, that's okay. That. It's all right. We, we, just, we just got Sean to hop on for a few minutes. He kept the seat warm for you. I a direct message saying thanks. I told him. I, I said I really appreciate it. We've got to record our podcast right when I'm done with this, and so I was kind of like, "Hey, are you are you set up?" And now we'll have a little intro to talk about on the show, which is All right. Sean's I'm little. Glad I could give you some content. Thank you, I appreciate it. Take care, Haley. All right, there goes Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada, Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast and the blog, among many other things, on the Sportsnet networks. Always a pleasure to have Elliot on the show. And just want to say all of our deadline chatter, all of our deadline conversations on Sports at 960 are brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. It may be trade deadline season, but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports at 2520 Center Street North. That's all the time we have for today. We went a little bit long on the show today because we wanted to, to get Elliot on, have a good chat with him, take a look around the league, hear what he thought about the Calgary Flames. Uh, if you missed the beginning of that conversation with Elliot, you can listen to the show on demand. It's Hockey Central 960 wherever you get your podcast. That's all the time we have for today. Sports at 960 The Fan, your home of the flames.